I like, I remember when I went into that particular ultrasound, um, of course it's the pandemic. So I couldn't bring anybody in with me. So it's a very alienating feeling in itself. And I just remember looking at the technician who was, who was doing the ultrasound for me. And she was such a sweet lady and she could see, you know, above my mask, my eyes starting to well up. And I remember she just put her hand on my shoulder and just reassured me that if this is not the one that is meant to be, that I will be a mom. Like she believed in me. Hello and welcome to the Confidential Podcast, where we discuss and demystify life and everything that impacts it. I'm Simone Gisondi, author, health strategist, life transformation consultant, and overall life enthusiast. I dive deep into the fascinating world of life with each show. Each episode features in-depth conversations with experts, thought leaders, as well as personal stories and experiences that will bring the world around us to life. Whether you're a curious newcomer or a passionate enthusiast, come with me on a journey of discovery and enlightenment. Tune in every week and join me as I demystify all things that touch life. Good morning, everybody. What's going on? Today's show is about fertility. What else? In fact, it's actually about someone's journey in conceiving and her experience with the fertility treatment world. And it's a fascinating one, as you all know, and you're going to love today's show and you're going to definitely love my guest. Her name is Vanessa and she's a fellow Torontonian, just like me. She holds a Bachelor of Commerce from the University of Toronto, very esteemed university. She's a certified public accountant and she's also a director of finance in the healthcare industry. That's such a great achievement because I, of course, I'm, I'm part of the healthcare industry and I know how it is. It's, uh, it's an ever-evolving industry, of course. And Vanessa enjoys gardening, creative writing, and of course, spending time with her lovely family. And as I said, she's a fellow Torontonian, so she lives right here in Toronto, just like I do with her partner, her stepdaughter, her son, and her pets, a dog and a cat. So Vanessa today will walk us through her experience as she and her partner tried to conceive and how she got pregnant, her success. It's a success story. So can't wait to hear about it, Vanessa. How are you? Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's so nice to be talking to you today. It's a beautiful day for it, and I'm excited to share my story. So thank you for having me. Yes, I know the listeners are going to love your story because it's a success story and they're going to be able to learn from you and and how you got to achieve the pregnancy that you dreamed of. So maybe you could just start by telling us how your journey started. Walk us through it. Sure, of course. Um, So my journey started a little bit later. So, you know, these days, a lot like a lot of my friends, a lot of women around me, I was focused on my career. So for a long time, you know, I focused on school, then on my career, and I knew that one day I wanted to have a family, but I kind of didn't feel a lot of pressure around me, you know, people were really polite, (laughs) they didn't give me too much pressure. Um, But the clock was ticking and I kept hearing this magic age of 35, you know, once you get to 35, it's just downhill from there. I didn't pay too much attention because I thought, you know, I was enjoying my life and the time would come when I felt like I really wanted to start a family, I would act on it. And so I had turned 35 and I remember, so maybe a few months after that, sitting at my dining room table and I don't know what, but something just sort of hit me. And I thought, okay, 
I think I want to start a family. Yeah, I'm going to start a family. I was just sort of waiting for that moment. And, um, but of course my body had other ideas because I kid you not a week or two later, I got my period and that was sort of weird because I had just had one. And so after that, my cycles became very frequent. And so I didn't understand what was happening with my body. So I went to the doctor and after a bunch of appointments, I was diagnosed officially with an endometrial polyp, which basically just means I had a polyp growing on the lining of my uterus. And so I was told that until it was removed, you know, it might hinder my ability to get pregnant. It might impact my ability to keep the pregnancy. So because of that, I decided to just, let's just wait. Like why, you know, why mess with that? Because I, I want to go for success here. So I waited. Um, but unfortunately, by the time, you know, I was able to have that surgery, it had been a year. And so in fertility land, that's a whole other year where I did not get younger. But again, at the time, I didn't really think too much of that. So, you know, at that point, I got it removed, I was in the clear to you're good to go, you can start trying to have a baby. So at this and point, you're, you're 36 now. I was 36. Exactly. Right. So now I'm 36. So I'm officially a year over that little 35 scare that everybody told me about. And um, a few months after that, once I had the surgery, the pandemic started. So that didn't help either, either. But we thought, okay, you know, pandemic or no pandemic, um, let's try and have a baby. And so we started to try. And it actually didn't take too long when I, I was pregnant. I, I was sort of over the moon. I remember taking the test, you know, peeing on the stick and thinking, wow, how is this even possible? Because for some reason, I had always had this little like feeling in the back of my head or that it was going to be difficult for me. And that oh. could have been why I purposely was pushing it off because I didn't want to try to get pregnant and then find out I wouldn't be able to get pregnant. It was almost like a defense mechanism that I just, I'd rather not have to deal with knowing it's going to be hard for me. So I was shocked. I was elated. I was, you know, surprised that it happened so quickly. So were and you, so were you uh, at this point, because obviously, of course, you had gone through the surgery for the endometrial uh, polyp. How was your health at this point? Were you sort of in the clear, you were feeling well? And of course, the, the pandemic uh, sort of impacted us because it was a scary time with everything that was happening in the world. Um, or did this nagging feeling that you had that it would be difficult for you to conceive? Was that related to the endometrial polyp? No, it, it, I would, I had always sort of had this feeling in the back of my head. I don't know why I, it might've been related to, you know, hearing stories from my mom when she was trying to have my brother after I was born, she had had, you know, a few miscarriages. Um, she'd had a tubal pregnancy at one point. So mm -hmm. it might've been from those stories. Plus, I think just a fear and knowing, you know, some friends who had been trying and I had to go through quite a journey to eventually get pregnant. I was almost, I was scared. I was scared to, to go through that as well. Um, and, and so especially, 
Yeah. Sorry, especially because you probably felt that it was genetic, like from a exactly. genetic perspective, you would follow exactly. sort of in your mom's steps, right? Yeah, exactly. I just figured, oh, maybe I'm going to have some difficulty too. I mean, in the end, of course, they didn't focus on the fact that she was able to get pregnant. You know, <laughs> the mind always goes to the like negative side of it. Um, right. So of course I zoned in on that. So when I, when I was pregnant, or at least, you know, that's what the stick was telling me, I, I was I was surprised. I thought my body's working because, you know, at the time I didn't have any other health concerns. Um, you know, I, I felt healthy. I, I really, I was a little naive to be honest, but I felt pretty good. Um, and so of course, you know, as anybody that's new to this and a little naive, I told my family and my close friends, like right away, <laughs> I was like, Hey, guess what? I'm pregnant. You know, can you believe it? It happened so quick. I'm so lucky. And uh, so I called the doctor because I, you know, I'm not quite sure what the next steps are. Um, blood work said, yep, yeah, you're pregnant, ultrasounds. But the doctors kept questioning my dates. They kept saying, you know, I don't think you're as far along as you think you are. But I, I knew because I was tracking all of that stuff um, as the true accountant in me. I knew that there I have my dates right. Um, and that's all I really knew. I, again, I was, I was naive. I don't even think I quite understood how the body creates babies, like to be honest. And so I, um, I kept going to those appointments, but I kept not getting a heartbeat and I had gotten to, I mean, at this point I was pretty far along in what you would think would be the first trimester based upon my dates. Um, and I went to the ultrasound and there was, there was no heartbeat. And so it was officially diagnosed as a blighted ovum, meaning that, you know, they suspect it could have been egg quality, but there was no, no development. So although the test would indicate, you know, I was pregnant, nothing had actually developed and there was still something that my body, need, body needed to uh, expel, but my body wasn't doing that naturally. I think uh, just like me, my body wanted to hold on, did not want to believe that that, that this wasn't working because I, like, I remember when I went into that particular ultrasound, um, of course it's the pandemic. So I couldn't bring anybody in with me. So it's a very alienating feeling in itself. And I just remember looking at the technician who was, who was doing the ultrasound for me and she was such a sweet lady and she could see, you know, above my mask, my eyes starting to well up. And I remember she just put her hand on my shoulder and just reassured me that if this is not the one that is meant to be, that I will be a mom. Like she believed in me. And that's, that's all I needed to hear in that moment. I mean, of course, once I got to my car, I bawled my eyes out and had to drive home. And in retrospect, probably shouldn't have done that because I was so, I was so upset. It was such a, I was not, it was sort of like one of my worst fears had come true that, oh, this wasn't just going to be easy, you know? And, and what does this mean? Does this mean I'll never be able to get pregnant? What is a blighted ovum? I mean, a lot of times you, you go into this and you just expect that you get pregnant like you see in the movies and you have a baby and you have lots of babies and then life's great. 
And so when something like this happens, it doesn't, you're not prepared for it. Um, and unfortunately, you know, although it's, I'm, I'm so glad you're doing this podcast because I think we do need to talk about this stuff more and have more resources for people out there because until I had gone through that miscarriage and reached out to family and friends to talk about it, I, that's when I started to learn it's not that uncommon, a miscarriage. I mean, unfortunately, and it is one of the hardest things to go through, um, very like emotionally hard, physically very hard. The medication, I in my case, I had to take medication for it mm-hmm. um, to help it along. And it was just, it was not a fun experience at all. Um, yes. And But you learn that, oh, okay, it's maybe... I've, you know, this friend has gone through it and I knew my mom had gone through it and had eventually gotten pregnant. So I had, I had a little bit of hope that, okay, well, at least I got pregnant, you know, Mm -hmm. I was very fortunate for that and it was pretty quick. So, you know, maybe, maybe there's something um, I can do about this. If it is something with my body and I can fix it or just keep trying. That's amazing, Vanessa, because you you kept such a positive sort of outlook on it once you got yeah. past the sadness. And yeah. it's also lovely to hear that in the healthcare world, there are people who care and are empathetic and kind. And clearly the gesture of kindness from that uh, from that technician when yeah. you went in for the ultrasound certainly helped you, especially because you were in there alone. So you didn't have your yes. partner to sort of support you through the, the hardship of it. Yeah. And, and that, that matters so much. I think that's very underplayed because in the world of, of healthcare, clearly we have to go through certain procedures and they're looked at just as procedures, but there's a huge component of how it affects us emotionally and how it affects us mentally. Yeah. And how we internalize that and what meaning we give it and, and, and how we look at it. Uh, certainly some people look at it as, well, I failed. I wasn't able to carry the pregnancy, or you can look at it exactly as she guided you to say, you know, this one is not meant to be. And certainly sometimes nature does that uh, yes. in the sense of, you know, if it's not sort of going to be perfect or healthy or, you know, exactly as it it's supposed to be, it will sort of say, okay, let's try this again. And, and obviously get, but for us, because we look at it, we look at other women and we see that, well, you know, they have perfect babies and we don't recognize, we don't realize, we don't know them enough to be able to know how did they go through it? Because I think every pregnancy has its own uh, fears, especially when you know, loved ones or people in your family that have gone through hardships and how it affected them. And those fears kind of take over us. And then we kind of feel that what if I go through that and, 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 and it starts to affect you. So at this point, how far along were you when this happened, Vanessa? Um, So when I took the medication, I would have technically been 12 weeks pregnant. So that's, you know, first trimester. Um, But uh, it wasn't, you know, the same 12 weeks as a, as a regular pregnancy, because nothing was developing, but I had gone, you know, those weeks and weeks thinking, oh, I've got, I've got a little baby that I'm developing in me. And, you know, of course, your mind starts to go to like, oh, is it going to be a boy or a girl? Or <laughs> so you get, you get excited because, you know, 
how can you not? Um, so yeah, it was quite, it was quite far along. I think it was just the way that the appointments lined up. And again, during the pandemic, you know, it was a little bit more difficult. Um, this was in the early days of the pandemic. Um, but like you said, yeah, I think just having um, support from, you know, strangers, people um, that were helping me through the appointments or a family and friends, that helped keep me um, somewhat sane. <laughs> I mean, there's good days and bad days, but I knew I had to keep going. I can't just give up now. This is the first, you know, the first try, the first try and I got pregnant and I'll just keep going. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's what I did. We kept trying because we knew that, okay, this, these things happen um, and we can't give up at this point in time. Um, but then my, my, uh, my cycle started getting irregular again and they would be really long. And so it was like, oh, I need to get another cycle in order to try to get pregnant. And like that much I knew about it at least. And so as the months went by and it was still, I wasn't, at this point, I wasn't even getting pregnant at all. I got, you know, I spoke to my doctor and I, I did get myself referred into a fertility clinic. I'd like to take a quick break now to let you know that today's show is sponsored by my book, Against Medical Advice. This book is a memoir and it tells the story of how I built my life back after suffering a stroke during my divorce. I discuss the nutritional, lifestyle, and mindset aspects that I put into practice to regain my health and rebuild my life. The book has been a labor of love, both writing it and publishing it, and I couldn't be more proud of it. Please pick up your copy from Amazon. For your very own signed copy, my email address is simone at simonegisandi.com. Oh, and I'd really appreciate it if you'd please consider leaving a review once you've read the book. And now back to the show. Because you, you mentioned that you went, you had the appointment with the, um, with a technician, you, you had the ultrasound, you, you got to see where you were at and then you were put on medication. I'm assuming, was it for, uh, for you to expel or to, yes. right. So yes. that, so that happened. And, um, do you think that maybe your ability to get another cycle or to be able to get on a on a regular cycle. Was that affected by the medication you took? I think so. I mean, I was never really told that directly, but I think so. I think my body was just trying to re reset itself. It had just gone through such a traumatic experience and the medication is quite, I mean, it's quite potent in what it does. So I think that's what it, what it was. I mean, everything, hormones, trying to rebalance and at the time, I didn't realize that that's maybe why, because I had spoken to, you know, a friend who took the medication and she was, you know, perfectly regular with in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. But I also, before even getting pregnant, I had, um, I had some weird cycles. So I think it was just my body. That's how my body was, was acting. Um, but I was, I was thinking that, you know what, if there is something wrong with me, you know, quote unquote wrong, or my partner, um, this is me being the proactive, you know, I want to get myself into a fertility clinic. I've heard great, you know, stories and successes from friends I know that have gone through um, a fertility clinic. I want to get myself in there. I want to get all the tests because I want to know now if there's something I need to fix before I have to go through this experience again, because it was too, it was very painful. 
Um, so I was trying to be proactive thinking that I just go and if there's something wrong, they just fix it. Right. And they, if the worst case I have IVF, I know that's the thing I've heard of and they'll, I'll get my baby. Um, that's amazing because yeah. you, you were like, obviously solution oriented. Yes. You're like, yes. okay, so this didn't work. I'm just going to no. look for a solution here. So yes. you were very keen. I was uh, very keen on, on getting pregnant. It's not as simple as that, but, yes. but I was very like, well, I need a solution here. You know, somebody needs to help me with a solution. So that was my thinking to, to get into a fertility clinic. Yeah, that's great. You know, because ahead you- of time you were going to seek sort of um, expert advice from people who understand how that all works, because clearly they've studied exactly what what kind of uh, processes the body goes through, and how conception happens, and what needs to be in place for conception to happen at different stages of a woman's cycle or at different stages of a woman's life in accordance to her age. So these are people who, who clearly would have been able to identify everything. But it's also great that you recognize that despite the fact that, uh, as you said, the medication you had been put on, uh, that your friend had also taken and she had no issues with it. You recognize that we are all biochemically unique and individual, and it affected you in a different way. And I think it's also worth mentioning that, um, typically, uh, the body, uh, especially after a full term pregnancy delivery and such, the, the body takes up to about a year to kind of recalibrate and rebalance as far as hormones and uh, even to be able to get back to sleeping properly because everything is sort of in upheaval yeah. as a result of, of the pregnancy. So uh, clearly you sought the help and advice of experts so that you can sort of know where you're at and mm-hmm. what your next steps should be and whether you're in the clear so tell us a little bit how, um, so you decided to go to a fertility clinic and you were referred there. Um, when did you decide to do fertility treatments? Like what, when did you decide to get to, to this fertility clinic when you were referred? How far was it after you had sort of expelled uh, and you were sort of in the clear, your, your cycles were not aligning yet again? Uh, was this months later or how long? Yeah, it was months later. I think it was between, I think it was around four months after I had, expelled the pregnancy. And so it really been, it was over six months since we had started to try initially to get pregnant. Um, yeah. So it was, you know, later that fall and in, in uh, the pandemic, <laughs> the first, first wave, second wave of the pandemic. And were you and, now at, uh, at uh, had you turned 37? So you had tried like at 36 after your surgery, were you now in your 37th year? It, Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So time is ticking. I'm like, oh God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got to get this sorted out because now I was starting to see like, oh geez. Um, yeah, I am running out of time because it doesn't just happen like with the wave of a wand necessarily. Some people it does and others it doesn't. So now I understand why people were cautioning me about age <laughs> and how time does not slow down. So yeah, so I got I I was referred to a fertility clinic. And the one I chose was really just because of a friend had gone there and she had had success. And so you know, I did what a lot of people do I googled and and saw that yeah, this is a very reputable place. Um, And so I, I went there. And so I had went through all the standard testing that they do. So they do, you know, lots of blood work, they're testing just your general blood just to see your general health, as well as they'll test certain hormones. Um, They'll do ultrasounds, like look at your uterus. 
So I had done all of that and I had done the blood work. And of course I got the blood blood results before my first appointment with the doctor, because nowadays you get a lot of access to information, which is sometimes good and sometimes bad. Because of course, when you look at the, the results and you're not a trained medical professional, it's really hard to interpret. So I just remember pulling them up on the screen as so many of us do, scanning through all of those results and seeing, oh, good, I'm in the range. I'm within this range. Okay, everything is good. And then I got to the last page and there was this one that said low and I, I didn't know what that was. And it, it just said AMH, but it said low. So I did some Googling on that and I looked it up and I learned that it stood for anti-malarian hormone which was essentially, you know, it's an indicator that they use it and they can test it through your blood, an indicator of, of your ovarian reserve. So how many, potentially how many eggs you have in your body. And of course we all know we need eggs in order to get pregnant. And mine was measured and it was close to zero. The official measurement. So for anybody listening, that's gone through this, mine was 0.3 picamole per liter, um, which is essentially zero. And when I looked up sort of age ranges, you know, so for somebody my age, what should the level be? My, the level I had was at the lowest range for somebody that was say 50 years old, what they would expect to see. And at this point I'm 37. So I don't yet have my, my call with the doctor. So I don't really know what that means, but I'm starting to think this might not be a good thing. And so I spent the next few days coming up with all my questions that I was gonna ask the doctor because I was gonna get answers and I was gonna get a plan because this couldn't be something that was going to, to hinder me. Because of course, you know, although I got myself into the clinic and knew I went, had to go through the test, I didn't expect there was actually gonna be something really wrong. I just wanted to know just in case, but I thought, okay, there's, you know, they're not really going to be something wrong. I, I got pregnant at one point. So, so I had my call and of course it's the pandemic. So it was just a call. It was just over the phone, not a video call. Um, so that made it a little, a little bit more difficult because I couldn't see the doctor's face and the doctor couldn't see my face. And so really, I didn't, I didn't get through my questions. And all I can remember were, you know, I hate to tell you this, but the prognosis is bad. And when you hear that as, you know, a patient in any setting, you associate with that with like, am I dying? Like, what is that? Why is the prognosis bad? My fertility prognosis is not good. Um, He explained that I had something that's called premature ovarian insufficiency can also be referred to as premature ovarian failure, which is a terrible word to be used because it feels like you, your body is failing you. And I had about a 2% chance of conceiving naturally and maybe a 5% using drugs, but I was not a candidate for IVF because I did not have enough eggs. So this whole time I'd been thinking, you know, worst case, I just go through something like IVF, right? That was not an option for me. And of course, on the same call, 
um, when the doctor was going through the results, my partner's results were perfect. Those were the exact words, which, you know, I'm very lucky for that because I do, I do need his results to be good. You know, that is a good thing. But I think just hearing those words, perfect, and I'm bad, it, it was not, I did not receive that very well. I was, I was very hurt. Of course. And, and that goes back to what I said earlier, that it's, there is such a huge underlying emotional aspect to it. And clearly you were the first, cause you, you were referring to people that had had, um, success at fertility clinics, especially mm-hmm. in particular, I think you said about one of your friends, but yeah. now being in the middle of the pandemic, you had a completely different experience because obviously it was done over the phone. Yeah. Um, you were not able to rely on certain cues like, uh, people's demeanor and the way they interact with you. And, you know, cause you, you indicated that you wanted to see the face and you yeah. obviously did not have that. And it was just basically delivery of certain information, like the ovarian insufficiency, which clearly refers to the idea that you did, you had insufficient number of eggs and those yeah. are very much required for pregnancy. Yes. <laughs> and um, so uh, what else can you tell us about the experience there? Was your interaction at this point limited just to the doctor and they were going to just sort of let you go because, well, you don't have eggs, so there's nothing we can do for you. And yeah, been- I did it. Exactly. I didn't get a very warm um, reception. I, I don't think I was okay. a really good candidate to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, you, you know, he, as we talked a little bit more on the phone, he did mention, well, you know, maybe in a month or two, when your cycle becomes like a, a little bit more regular, when you get your next cycle, you know, try giving us a call and we can see, you know, maybe we'll do some cycle monitoring which, you know, they just monitor you through your cycle. They'll give you some drugs that help, you know, um, produce, grow the eggs. And, you know, and then um, you can time the intercourse. So, you know, we could do that is the the monitored cycle, but I didn't get, you know, a really like, let's do that (laughs) sort of sense. I, I felt like I was a little bit on my own. I mean, I was still holding out hope that, okay, when I do get my next cycle, like hopefully it's not a really long cycle this time and I don't have to wait too long. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I will try, I'll, I'll go through those monitored cycles and maybe I will be that 2% or 5% because it's not 0%. Yeah, so so I, you, I did, you held on to hope because those were numbers above zero. Yes. What, yeah. um, just uh, having heard what you said, uh, what would have been, what would have made it a better experience? What were you sort of expecting if they were to offer you something different other than, well, you know, go off on your own and let's see how your period sort of uh, gets on a regular schedule. And then we could sort of um, explore it from there. What would have made it a better experience if they had offered you, what would they have offered you to make it a good experience at that point? Yes. So I think what it would have helped just right off the bat is if it had have been a, a video call, because I understand at the time that, you know, we can't meet in person, but I think the video at least would um, create it so that I know it's a person I'm speaking to, because it was a very personal experience that I had just gone through. And the message was not a, an easy message to receive just over the phone. And then I think giving me a little bit more hope about, you know, there are some resources through our clinic that you could reach out um, to perhaps help with diet might help you. You know, there are studies out there, um, supplements that you could take. So, you know, a lot of the stuff 
I ended up learning along the way, which which I can talk about as well. But I um I, I wish that the doctor had have provided that to me directly. Um, because I know there are studies um, that are out there. Um, and I know this doctor has been part of some of them. So just giving me a little bit more hope instead of just, you know, here's the results, here's the medical definition. Um, it's, it's prognosis is bad, maybe not that word. Um, but I understand it was yes, I have AMH level, I can't change, you can't, you can't increase the number of eggs, I understand that now. Um, but just maybe the way in which the message was delivered, that could have helped. Right. So they did not, uh, aside from this uh, doctor that you had spoken with, there was, was there any subsequent referral to another expert, another practitioner that you could have started working with at that point to guide you on how to regulate the, the periods and to guide you on how to approach it, not only, I guess, physically for the regulation of the menstrual cycle, but also for your uh, emotional well-being mm -hmm. and for you not to look at it. Was there any referral from this fertility clinic? That no. Nothing. Oh, wow. Nothing. No. And so I did my own research after, mm -hmm. and I did find through this fertility clinic's website, <laughs> I was able to find some resources. Um, one was a naturopathic doctor. So there was a naturopathic fertility clinic so they just focus on fertility. And uh, so I got myself connected with one of their um, practitioners. And I also found a counselor who focused on fertility and somebody that had, I picked somebody that had gone through their own fertility challenges in the past. So they would really understand. And, um, and so those are two individuals that I, you know, after sort of going through the deep despair of my body has failed me. And why is that? Why did I lose all of these eggs? Did I never have them to begin with? Maybe I should have started at a much earlier age and not focused on my career. And I would have had more eggs at that point, because as you age, you know, your quantity of eggs go down. So once I got sort of through that it was a very dark feeling um, to go through that. I was able to reach out to these individuals. And that's when I felt like this sort of dark, you know, depression, it lifted because once I spoke to them, the, what they helped with was the counselor helped, you know, the mind and emotional state, which is, I learned is so important when you're going through a fertility journey. It's not just your body, but your mind and your emotional state does play a big role and that it is all connected with your body as well. And until going through that experience and learning about this part of my body that according to the medical documentation was a failure, it is all connected that perhaps there was some emotional trauma I hadn't dealt with yet, which there turns out there was. <laughs> Perhaps there were um, things I could put into my body, you know, through diet or supplements that would help with the fertility because through speaking with the naturopath and through um, looking at blogs online, through books that I found as well, I learned that although you cannot increase the number of eggs, you can improve the quality of the eggs you have. And so, you know, even if I have 
less eggs than somebody else my age? Can I, what can I do to try to improve the quality of them as much as possible so that if I do get pregnant, that that fetus develops because I have a higher quality of egg because I've taken the necessary steps. And so that felt like I could take, take it under my own control again. Like I could control part of my destiny. Maybe I could control what I was putting in my body. Nobody else was doing that. That was me. And, um, and that's and very so, empowering because yeah. you took the steps necessary, especially uh, you did not get the support from, let's say, the fertility clinic that would have been actually so great for you to be able yeah. to take the next steps. But you took ownership of that. And then yeah. you took sort of um, action steps to be able to get yourself the help and support that you needed to be able to continue. And I think it's so commendable that you did not give up. It's not like you sort of accepted that. Well, I mean, first I had a pregnancy loss and now they tell me that I don't have. So I'm just going to give up and move on. Excuse me. And, and just kind of let it be because clearly I'm a failure and no, you persevered. You took control of the situation. You, you, you went and you looked for the information that you needed to be able to help your chances. And you got yourself educated to be able to understand what was necessary or what was required for it to be necessary to, to get pregnant. And, uh, and you kept going. So you went and you saw these practitioners. Tell us more. Did you change your diet? Did you start going on a protocol where you started taking supplements that would help increase the quality of the eggs and, and sort of increase your chances, therefore, of getting pregnant with those eggs from a better perspective? Exactly. Yes, that's exactly what I did. So through the help of these practitioners and doing my own research, I completely changed my diet. So up until then, I thought, yeah, I eat pretty healthy, but I didn't really understand a lot about nutrition, to be honest. And so for me, I thought, okay, um, I already had rosacea. So this is something, you know, a skin um, disorder that a lot of inflammation in your body, it can make the rosacea worse. And so I thought, okay, maybe I have too much inflammation in my body and too much inflammation in your body can hinder things like fertility. So I cut out gluten, I cut out dairy. So any alternatives to that, I would take like soy milk, um, no alcohol. I already didn't really have too much alcohol, but I just zero. Cause I figured I'm just, why I'm going to do everything I can to try. Why do that? Caffeine. I cut out for me. I cut out red meat because I felt like it always bothered my stomach. And so I fo- focused on organic, healthy fruits and vegetables, like fresh, nothing like preserve, no preservative preservatives, um, going down just those aisles in the grocery store of fruits and vegetables, meats, like organic meats. Um, so chicken, fish, a lot of fish, legumes, um, making healthy smoothies. So looking up different smoothie recipes, um, drinking like homemade chicken broth, because, you know, I'd read that might be good for the lining in your uterus, um, juicing celery and ginger and just, you know, where I would research and find some, um, a new article on something, I would, I would try to incorporate it as much as possible. And I was also getting great advice from this naturopathic doctor. They gave me sort of like a a menu ideas of different recipes I could make that was focused on um, increasing egg quality. 
And also around me, like plastics. I did not realize this going into this, but I learned so much about plastics and how those are not good for our hormones. <laughs> so my water, I did not store it in plastic anymore, like glass. I got rid of all my plastic. I threw out all my old frying pans and bought new, you know, safer alternatives. I really changed a lot of what I was taking into my body, plus what was around me, what I was cooking with the utensils to make my food um, and what I stored it in. And then I also took supplements. So I did, for me, I took this prenatal that's called OptiOva, and it has a lot of everything you need right in um, these uh, pills that come in prepackaged um, packets, which is funny. I know we've talked about this before, but there's still plastic involved in the packaging. <laughs> we still can't get away with, uh, get away from that, but you know. <laughs> but you did a lot. I mean, to take away, yeah. you probably took away what over 90%, if not close yes. to a hundred of everything. And then sort I of did. these things that you had no control over the yes. way that these supplements are stored. Of course, we yeah. all know most supplements are stored in plastic bottles yes. and there's yes. nothing you can do about it, but the things no. you could do in yeah. your own home, in your own lifestyle, you took yeah. ownership of that. And, and it's so important. I'm so glad you mentioned this, Vanessa, because I think that everybody bar none, whether they are seeking to get pregnant or they're seeking to just better their life because they're diabetic or because they have high inflammation, like you referred to, or heart disease or cancer or anything related to health. It's so important that they take the very steps that you took because you bring the body into a state of balance. There's yeah. no more stressors that affect the hormonal balance or the way that the body kind of does its own things in its own rhythm. So you took the necessary steps of addressing your diet, addressing your lifestyle. And did you do anything as far as the emotional and mental aspect of it so that you can yes. sort of bring that into balance with your body as well? Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. What did you do? Yeah. So one of my friends actually was, had just started into emotional healing. So she had started um, this practice in that. And so I mean, sometimes I was like her guinea pig, but it worked out really well because we would do sort of these emotional healing sessions, which the idea of that is that um, perhaps, you know, we store emotions in our body and that stored emotion, it has nowhere to go. So it builds up and builds up and it can have impacts on our health. And so um, through somebody that works in emotional healing is they work to try to bring out what those buried emotions are that you might not even be aware of in your day-to-day -day life, um, and bring it to the surface so you can recognize it and say what it is, like name it so that it's not something that's so buried. And the idea is to try to release them. So we did, we did a lot of work around that because I had, you know, my mother passed away when I was young. So I, I knew I had this, this trauma from it, especially when it's around motherhood. So the link of motherhood, me wanting to be a mom and losing my own mom when I was 11 years old, there was a lot of emotions buried in that. And I had to pick those apart because I think I needed to work through that emotional state so that I was, I was able to be a mother to myself first before I could be a mother to a child because I didn't have that motherly experience growing up. Once my mom passed, she was an amazing mom, 
but she was only my mom for 11 years. So when I realized that, I think that was, that was an important piece of it too. So yes, emotional and mind doing the therapy and just talking to somebody about my fears and they would, you know, they'd give me examples, so many examples of other people they had spoken to that had what I had a low AMH and got pregnant and they have beautiful children now. So it's not impossible. I think we sometimes focus too much on the impossible and not the possible. There is, it's possible. There isn't a 0%. What is 0%? It is, this is possible. So I think just hearing from others um, really helped me as well because- Oh, absolutely. And and I'm sure that if in your, um, in, in your, research that you did, and certainly I've come across these things, there are, and in particular right now in my extended family, I have, uh, there's someone who uh, just got pregnant and she's in her late forties. Wow. And and it's, she has a two-year-old. So clearly her first child was uh, in her forties as well. And there are many, if you do research online, uh, if you're, let's say at that stage where you're in a state of despair because you just got bad news from a fertility doctor or anybody about your results uh, related to hormones or anything of that nature. There are women who got pregnant in their fifties. There are women who carried children in their fifties. So it's, it's never just like you said, I want to echo what you said. There's never an impossibility. Uh, We have to look at it as that, um, that where it says impossible spells I'm possible. Yes. So it's, there's such a possibility there of achieving what people think is uh, miracles. And you certainly were one of those, but it's so commendable. And I'm so glad because uh, I think from like on a superficial level, people would just say, well, Vanessa, you know, had a, you know, miscarriage in the beginning, and then she went on and she got pregnant. And I think the, what happens in between is of the utmost important because it didn't just sort of kind of fall out of the sky. You yourself took steps to uh, make sure that you optimized your health and you optimized yourself to be able to, to have a healthy pregnancy and to be able to even get pregnant to begin with. And it's fascinating. And I'm so grateful to you that you, you shared the story about how your mom passed when you were very young and you obviously had uh, emotions related Mm -hmm. to that, which you had suppressed because those are uh, in in all reality, we all have sort of uh, situations in our family life that are sometimes traumatic, painful, and uh, there's such a stigma around it because we all try to put our sort of best self forward to the world and we don't admit that we have things that perhaps are not the easiest or that we suffered these traumas or that we suffered these difficult situations with our uh, in our family life and what a huge, huge impact they have because what you just mentioned about how you had to mother yourself and and how mm-hmm. that affected you and how perhaps you just thought that deep inside your mind, you had to identify what were the feelings around it because obviously those would affect your own motherhood. Yes. So those are so important. Wow. You are, you're like, I'm, I'm just like, you're a hero to a lot of people. <laughs> seriously it takes it takes uh hard work to get to achieve the things we want yes and i know that sometimes this is very much a parallel to people who say 
well, I want to write my PhD. And the PhD is commitment, time, research. You have yeah. to commit yourself to it. You have to see it through. You have to leave no stone unturned so that you could have the best chances and, you know, to get that end result you're looking for. And that's very much what you did. And you yeah. left no stone unturned. You persevered through it. I, I commend you for, you know, how strong you were in the face of adversity to keep going and to seek out new things that would give you the opportunity and uh, and of course, you did this with, I'm sure, alongside your full-time job, yes. alongside <laughs> the rest of your commitments yes. in life. And yet here you are, you, you keep going forward. So you went through your lifestyle change, you got your emotional uh, help, obviously, with re related to your emotional uh, sort of components that were part of what was affecting your fertility. And you changed your diet and you got rid of all the plastics that sort of disrupt your hormonal balance. So you got all of that taken care of. And I just want to tell listeners right now, you look amazing. Your skin is glowing. Oh. <laughs> so clearly all of that really helped you and really worked. So I just want to sort of emphasize that because as a practitioner, that's my thing too. I always tell people there are three steps to it and they're very simple. They're difficult to execute on because mm -hmm. we have habits and so on and so forth. But when there's a, when there's a will, it's doable. Yeah. So what happened then? So then you, you got rid of all this stuff. You dealt yeah. with all your problems. Yeah. You're now in a completely better state because your health has improved and you sort of work through your emotional things. Yeah. What happened then? Yeah. So I, I mean, while I was doing this, I should say I was able to start some monitored cycles at the clinic. And so I was continuing with those monitored cycles. And, um, and then I, um, I was starting to get a little bit, you know, antsy. I was like, oh, I don't know. I know I'm doing all of these changes. I know it takes, it's a 90 day cycle for your eggs. Um, and so I was sort of looking ahead at that in 90 days from now, based on everything I've changed in my life, I should have some healthy eggs. But every cycle I went through, I, I still wasn't getting pregnant, like not even pregnant at all. And so I did more research and I found another doctor who specializes in um, what I have premature ovarian insufficiency. And so, you know, even though if I change all of this, I mean, I'm going to do it because I've got nothing to lose here. If I do still need a little bit more help, it seems like this fertility doctor can help me with that. So I decided to change clinics and I was on my last um, cycle monitoring at the original clinic I was at. And I went in and I knew I was going to be leaving them very shortly, but I thought, okay, might as well go in, you know, they'll, they'll check my follicles and maybe this cycle I'll get pregnant and I don't even have to go to the new clinic. And I checked my follicles. I got the results and I had no follicles growing. It was like zero. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm making all of these changes in my diet. What is else? I didn't even have any this month. I mean, in the past I'd have one or two, but now I had zero. So they told me, you know, just call us when you get your next cycle, because we're not even going to bother going through this one. Cause essentially this is not a good cycle. It's a dud. And so I thought I'm not going to have to call them cause I'm changing clinics. So I changed clinics and I just had to go through the same test with the new clinic. I was still in that same cycle. So um, I knew that, you know, there's nothing going on this cycle anyways, and they did the same blood work, same results. My AMH did not increase, but, but this doctor was much better at giving me that news and much more hopeful. So I started to feel I had more hope that at least I'm, I'm somewhere where if I do need help, I feel like this doctor is going to help me. And I even learned about donor eggs. 
that there is such thing as, so if I do all of this work and it doesn't, it doesn't help at, at the end of the day, it's just not enough for me. Um, I could look into donor eggs where I would have another uh, woman's eggs and I would use them instead. Um, unfortunately, during the pandemic, there weren't a lot of options for donor eggs because who wants to go in and get that procedure in a medical clinic? Um, but I thought, okay, that's an option. So, you know, at this point, I sort of surrendered to, I'm doing what I can do to, for my body and my mind. And that no matter what way, so whether I do need donor eggs, I will get pregnant. Like this is, you know, I've got to stop putting so much pressure on myself because that's not going to help me. And I, I had heard stories of countless women who, once they sort of let go, they got pregnant, but it, it's, you can't just tell somebody, just let go, you know, just relax. Those are the worst words you could tell somebody. It doesn't work like that. You have to reach that point where you sort of surrender and understand that, you know, what's going to happen is going to happen. And I think I had reached that point because I, I just, in what way, shape or form I will get pregnant. And so I remember vividly, I went on this walk um, just outside my house on a, like a beautiful winding path um, on this like early spring day. And I had my dog behind me and I just had this moment of like, I could feel like there was like a little kid following behind me. And like, I even turned around, like as crazy as it sounds, I turned around, there's no kid, it's just my dog. But I felt like I'm going on this walk and I've got a little kid and I just felt so at peace. It probably helped, it was a beautiful sunny day, but I felt at peace. And so on my way back to my house, I had, you know, all bundled up because it was still quite cool out. And I even felt like I had a belly, like sticking out, like, pushing out against my coat, like I was pregnant. And I even looked down and kind of laughed because obviously there was no belly there, but I felt like it, what it would feel like if I was pregnant. And so a, a few weeks after that, I woke up one morning and I thought, I'm going to take a pregnancy test. I don't know why I felt like I needed to do that because like the last time I did that, it's like torture. Every time I would pee on the stick and there was no second line but I thought I'm going to take it, even though this was the cycle where I had no follicles growing. So there's no hope for me. I went and I peed on that stick. Right. And there so, was, and, yeah. and you were positive. Yeah, it was positive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so the line. question I was going to ask you, so all along this time, even though you were getting all of these um, sort of, uh, let's say negative results from the doctors where they were telling you about that, you have no follicles and so on and yeah. so forth, and that you should consider donor eggs, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You, you and your partner were continuing to try. Yeah. So you were still sexually active. You hadn't yet yeah. abandoned to say, well, let's just no. resume this once I'm, you know, in, in a better situation uh, with my reproductive system where we can actually kind of take steps forward to make sure that I do have yeah. the best chances of getting pregnant. And I want to tell you, Vanessa, you gave me goosebumps when you told us the story about yeah. your walk with your dog and you felt yeah. that there was like a, a little child with you yeah. there and you came home and you had, so this was sort of like a very important turning point, like a yeah. sort of a, a very uh, out of this world experience. Yes. And really you, you were, you were guided to go and take the test. Yes. It was positive. Yes. It was like, I was oh so shocked. And the second line, you know, the one you want to see, because the, the test I was doing um, 
would just have the two lines, like two if you're pregnant. Um, and so when I got that second line that showed, oh, I'm pregnant, it was really dark. And the, the first time I had been pregnant, that second line was always really faint. And so I always wondered like, hmm, am I in, in the end? I, you know, that's because it wasn't a viable pregnancy, but this one, it was so dark. So I thought, oh my gosh, I think this is better than the first time because this line is so dark. That's got to be a good thing. And just the feeling, like even just talking about it, I get chills because I remember like running back upstairs, like waking up my partner, like showing the test, like, look, I just took this and I think this means I'm pregnant, um, which I don't even know how, because they told me I didn't have follicles. I thought that was required. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I was pregnant and um, it was just, it was such a, the best feeling in the world. Um, and like you said, that moment of that walk, I just felt so at peace with everything. And to get this result, I, I think that was like the kicker. That was the cherry on top. You know, I was doing everything for my body and my mind, but until like, I felt peace, almost like in my soul, that this is going to be okay. I will be a mom. Like, just keep repeating it. I will be a mom. That's when it felt, I, I think it really came together for me. Like, you know, um, it just felt miraculous to be honest. And right. So, and, and it's yeah. important. I think it's such an important component of, of the whole puzzle of the whole situation or the whole journey of, of conception and getting pregnant. And I'm so grateful that you, you spoke about this because um, I think some people sort of stop at the mechanical aspect of it and then they give up and mm -hmm. everything in life you're always encouraged to you know keep pushing keep trying get back up and keep going and keep trying and that's clearly what you what you did yeah. and you were so open to embrace all parts of what it takes because it's never just one thing yeah like when you put this puzzle together there are different pieces that you have to sort of connect uh, whether it's to do with your lifestyle and your diet and your emotional peace and yeah. being open to it and sort of affirming what you just said that you were affirming to yourself. I'm going to be a mom. I'm going to be a mom. Yeah. So you truly believed it in your, in your heart and your soul yeah. that you were going to be a mom. Yeah. And clearly you manifested exactly that. Yes. So very important uh, aspect of it. How did you feel when you saw that line? And I know what oh. you mean about that, that strong, dark color. Yes. It's indicative dark. of like oh. strong hormonal uh, presence yes. there in your urine to be able yes. to identify that you're pregnant how did you feel oh I, like shocked but like so elated like just like giddy like it's like it's happening right now like this is and I of course I kept redoing it I kept peeing on stick <laughs> I just kept of course like I didn't just imagine that right and every time it was this second dark line so it was just I mean I was I was elated and I was um shocked um but then of course a little bit of like doubt sunk in because I got my I was trying to protect myself for bad news because I'd been down that road before you know being pregnant and telling people so I didn't tell you know family or friends yet I was okay I'm going to go through this I'm going to go through the appointments that I need to have just to confirm everything so I took it a little bit more cautiously like once I got over the initial like oh my gosh I'm pregnant I did sort of 
I, I prepared myself for the news I could get, but I was really like, I just kept crossing my fingers that it was all going to be okay. And I went to the new fertility clinic and I told them, I haven't started treatment with you yet, but guess what? I think I'm pregnant. And so they were able to confirm the pregnancy for me and they did the ultrasounds. And the first time I heard the heartbeat because I had not gotten to that point before was like, I just had tears streaming down my face. It was, ah, oh, it was so amazing. It was just, I got to the heartbeat. I mean, of course, every next step is, you know, you're just hoping for good results. Um, but we found out we were going to have a boy. And uh, I always had a feeling like if I was going to have a child, it was going to be a boy. So I wasn't surprised. I was so excited. And the cool thing about that, too, is when the doctor gave me, you know, the due date, according to, you know, their calculations, um, it was the same day that my mom gave birth to her son, my brother. Wow. So it was the same. I just thought like, oh, that's really cool. Like, thanks, mom. <laughs> if you're doing anything up there and you're helping me along the way, like, that's really cool. I mean, of course, he wasn't born on that day because I know it's hard to get um, exactly on the due date. But just to have that date that this baby was going to be born in my head, it kind of, it gave me even more like peace and confidence that this is going to be OK. You're going to have a little baby boy and it's all going to be OK. And and we did. And he was born a week early, a week shy of his due date, uh, healthy, beautiful, perfect. Um, he even came, <laughs> this is a cool thing too. He even has a little birthmark on his cheek and it was in the shape of a heart. <laughs> oh so, my goodness. Yes, I was like, oh my gosh, he came with a little heart on his cheek. Like he is just, oh my gosh, I'm so in love with this baby boy who's now getting bigger, but and I am so, I'm so happy I became a mom. Yeah. You really did such an incredible job. And this is an incredible, incredible story of perseverance. It's beyond just getting pregnant and having a baby, but the journey to getting to that is just so inspirational and heroic, really, because you really pushed through. And I'm sure you had to hold it together as we're all expected mm -hmm. in, in our jobs yes. to kind of push aside all the things that affect us, um, be it physically, but especially emotionally and kind of bring our most professional sort of person to the table when we carry out our jobs. And you did that so eloquently and you were able to sort of also address all of this uh, and you were such a trooper. And uh, how was the pregnancy? Pregnancy went well. So you found out that you were pregnant when you had the, and that's an amazing thing that the fertility clinic did that they took care of you, even yes. though you had already achieved pregnancy without I their support. So I know I, yes. was, I was so lucky for that yes. because I didn't realize at the time too, that that is more support than you would normally get. Wow. Um, because I got the frequent ultrasounds and, you know, and I did have, um, uh, a blood clot in, in the uterus at the beginning, but that was eventually it did clear. So there were some little things, you know, that would come up along the way, but that I would just go back to holding on to that, like belief that it's going to be okay. And that's what would help me get through because, you know, again, I was a little naive that thinking, okay, once you're pregnant, then you can just sit back and relax. <laughs> and then, like, that was the big, you know, hurdle and the big milestone. 
it's all a journey, you know, throughout the pregnancy, it's a journey, there might be things that come up, as with a lot of pregnancies, but good um, care. So I had really good care. And then just, you know, keep working on yourself and believing it's going to be okay and support. Like my partner is the best. So uh, such a supportive partner, you know, family and friends, because it does take it takes a a village, as they say, like before getting pregnant, during the pregnancy, and after. (laughs) So yeah, it's but it it all worked out in the end. And um, I'm so grateful for it. Yeah, incredible. You did such an amazing, amazing job and baby yeah. came healthy. Yeah, and you were elated. So how old, how old were you at this point, Vanessa? Were- so when he was born, I was 38. Wow. So, so this was, a, was three, yeah. a three year sort of yes. journey. Yes, amazing. Exactly. What yes. a trooper you are that you kept going. And yep. of course, I mean, you kind of overcame all the hardships and just what you said that things will sort of arise as it does with everything in life, you know, during yeah. marriage and during a job, yep. things will yep. kind of come, you know, curveballs, life will throw curveballs your way. And, yep. but I think that because you had already gone through so many disappointments and things that you had to resolve, you were sort of already trained for that. So you were yes. sort of expecting that even during the pregnancy, when something comes, you'll be like, okay, well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to yeah. take ownership of it and I'll deal with it. But you were in, in a completely different emotional state at peace, of course. Yeah. Um, and so um, I'm curious, what would be your advice to other women who may be on the same path as you right now? What are some of the lessons that you would want them to sort of learn from you so that they can have the same sort of level of um of experience or the same sort of level of support or the same level of um, uh, like resilience and all the things that you had that helped you on your journey? What, what would you say to those women? Yes. So what I would say is to trust your body, because when you go through uh, something like a fertility challenge um, and also focus on fertility, not infertility. So, you know, say your fertility journey, not your infertility journey. <laughs> So when you're going through your fertility journey, your body is a powerful thing. Like the body is capable of such extraordinary things. So to trust it, because when you, you get test results back that show you've got, you know, not optimal levels in your body, or there's something wrong, quote unquote, trust that your body knows how to, to deal with it. And that with the right support for your body, like, and your mind, and your emotions and your soul, like trust that it will come together. Like don't lose hope and don't focus on numbers. So, you know, anybody listening to this that has a low AMH, don't focus on that because if you've got other parts that are working, don't just go on the AMH level. It's very, a very dangerous way to do it, which is what I've since learned. And to search out, you know, support. You can't do this alone. I know it's hard to talk about some of this stuff, but even if you can find a professional to help you talk through some of it, there are great supports out there. Um, If you find a friend that is um, willing to listen and to help you through it or a family member that's supportive, I think talking about it and getting it out makes such a difference so you don't bottle it in. 
Mm -hmm. And I think just focusing again, like what we talked on, like the possible and I'm possible, not just impossible and fertile, not infertile. I mean, I was talking to the same um, counselor I spoke to. I was talking to her not that long ago. And I mentioned you something about my, you know, my infertility. And she corrected me that, you know, Vanessa, I think you're actually quite fertile. And that was just like the best thing anybody could have told me because like, am I, I, I guess, I guess it worked out in the end for me because maybe I wasn't so infertile that some of the doctors made me feel like, so don't just take one message you might hear um, from a doctor. If it's, you know, not construed in the right way, don't just take that and, and think that, well, that's it for you because not, nothing has to be it. You can, you can try. And there are lots of options out there, um, but just don't, don't, don't give up, just keep going because it's again, amazing what the body can do. And I think science hasn't caught up to all of it. I love what you just said, Vanessa. I love the fact that you emphasized all of the non-tangible things because they play such a big role. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the belief system and trusting, yes. trusting your body to do what it needs to do, because it's obviously programmed to do those things. That's yeah. how women have gotten pregnant for uh, like thousands of years. Yes. And that's how humanity has gotten to sort of grow uh, because all of that is programmed into the body. And our job is to support the body and yes. believe in it and believe that it's going to do what it needs to do yes. more than that um, trust in yourself and yes. clearly to have that desire to keep pushing forward and believe that you will affirming it uh, taking the necessary steps seeking out the support needed and more than that investing in what you need because I know that especially when it comes to fertility clinics and fertility treatments yeah it's a financial investment it um, is. but as with everything else in life just like it is to get let's say an education I'm going to go back to the same example I gave earlier about the PhD uh, or any you know master's or any kind of um certification or diploma that you want to get from an educational perspective it's an investment of time yeah. it's a financial investment it's an investment of energy it's uh, obviously a trust and belief in yourself that you can see that through yeah and that you can do it and that you are fully capable of understanding what's at play and how you can get to your objective or to the final like end result that you're looking to get out of it so all of that you sort of encapsulated very well in, in your advice. And I think that is invaluable and priceless because that's truly what it takes. Aside from, of course, the mechanical stuff of, you know, what you eat to nourish the body. But I think the non-tangibles, like the emotional and psycho-spiritual aspect of it, of trust, belief, and being able to have the fortitude to push forward you sort of embodied all that in your story. And yes. it's so incredible and amazing. And I'm so happy and thankful and grateful to you for sharing such an amazing, amazing story and journey of success um, and being able to overcome what you did. And you took sort of ownership of it and you pushed forward and you left no, no stone unturned. You sought out all the answers that you could get and I want to emphasize to the listeners, we're, we're lucky that we have all this information at our fingertips. Um, yes. I had my first child about, uh, he's about to turn 22. So wow. I was pregnant 23 years ago, because we're going to take the pregnancy into account. 
And at that time, there wasn't a lot of information out there that you can have um, available to you instantly right now. You know, all you have to do is pick up your phone and just Google something or get in front of your computer and Google something. I didn't have that. I didn't have that back then. And it was um, sort of you go through it blindly, although there were things that I wanted to learn along my my journey that I couldn't find. So you had to rely on uh, just what a friend would tell you or somebody that you knew told you. Mm -hmm. But again, we are biochemically unique. We are at a different stage. We have very unique uh, circumstances that are part of our life that affected us, let's say, emotionally. So when you have access to a multitude or varied information that you have online, sort of best case scenario, worst case scenario, the in-between people blog about it. So they tell their stories. Of course, there are podcasts such as this one where people talk about what it took for them Yeah, that we can sort of extract gold nuggets of information and wisdom from is so, so powerful because we are able to sort of piece together what we need to do. And once in a while, all we need is just that sort of reminder that I am possible. It is possible yeah. to do it, just like you said. And yeah. this is exactly what that achieved. So thank you so much, Vanessa. You are amazing. <laughs> and you have a beautiful baby. I yes. Mean, of course, you know, and they grow very quickly. Yes. So and, quick. <laughs> yes, of course. That, that's what I say. It's like you blink and they are teenagers. Yes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> But that's such an incredible, amazing story. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for walking us through how and what you did to get to this amazing end result. Uh, And of course, if you want to share anything else with us, you get in touch with me and I'm happy to bring you back so that we we can let the audience know what other things you would recommend to people or who they should work with. So thank you again, Vanessa. Very much appreciate having you on. Thank you. Thank you for tuning to The Confidential. We hope you enjoyed the episode and found it interesting and informative. Please subscribe to the show to receive notifications when new episodes are released. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at The Confidential Podcast to stay up to date with all things related to the show. We appreciate your support and welcome any feedback you may have. Until next time, stay curious and keep on learning. Thank you for listening.